Hello and welcome to You Couldn't Write It, a collection of short stories from the real world, so bizarre or strange or funny that you just couldn't write them. In this week's story we look into the band The Clash and how they rocked Bond's Casino in New York City for their fans and this was just the tip of their moral compass. So sit back and find out why The Clash are the coolest band about. I am always looking for new music and different bands. In 2005, I had some vouchers left over from Christmas and I used them to buy London's Calling by The Clash. I had maybe heard four of their most famous songs and I wanted to hear more. When I played the LP through, I thought it must have been a greatest hits because every song was better than the last. It quickly became a firm favourite of mine and I would go through spells of listening to it non-stop. By 2012, I was working in a pub in a holiday destination. One night in the middle of February, I was slaving away behind the cold taps and I had one customer in. It was then I realised that I needed to hear The Clash. I needed to hear London calling. When I fired them on, the one punter sparked to life. You like The Clash, he asked. I saw them at Bond's Casino in 1981, he said with a boastful look in his face. He must have noticed my unimpressed look and he decided it was the right time in my rock and roll education to include this awesome band. Now it's the right time for you. The Clash were formed in 1976. Their original lineup was Joe Strummer on vocals, Mick Jones on guitar and vocals, Paul Cinnamon on bass guitar and Terry Chimes on drums. But soon, Strummer would play guitar and Chimes would be replaced by Nick Topperhedron. It is said that they auditioned 205 drummers before they found Topper. The Clash were a punk band and they made their debut on the 4th of July 1976 in Sheffield, supporting the Sex Pistols. In January 1977, the band signed a record deal worth £100,000 with CBS. This was massive, as they had only played 30 gigs and none really as headliners. They got a huge amount of stick for selling out to the man, and one critic even went as far as saying that Punk died the day that The Clash signed the deal. It was not all it was cracked up to be, as the band would have to pay for everything. Recording, tours, remixes, artwork and even their own expenses. Their first album was called The Clash and featured songs like I'm So Bored With The USA, White Riot and Career Opportunities. It got to number 12 in the UK charts, but CBS would not allow the band to release the album in the USA as they thought it was too rough and ready and would not stale in the States. It was later released in 1979 after it became the best import album of the year in the US. By 1979, The Clash were ready to release their third LP, London Calling. It was a double album and had a mixture of punk, ska, reggae and traditional rock and roll amongst other styles. The title track also happened to be heavily influenced by the BBC World Service call sign and the panic that resulted in the Three Mile Island nuclear scare. 
The artwork is some of the most recognisable about even to this day. In London, with a pink font vertical on the left-hand side and calling in green horizontally along the bottom. The photo for the sleeve is Sinanen smashing up his guitar and was voted the best rock and roll photo of all time by Q. The album made it to number 9 in the UK charts and number 27 in the US. Their next album was a 3LP 36 song whopper called Sandinista and it was this that they were promoting in 1981 at Bond's Casino. At this point there is nothing I have learned about The Clash that makes them special but it's here that our story changes and becomes something you just couldn't write. They were meant to be playing eight shows in New York at the end of May and beginning of June, but the promoters had got greedy and sold 3,500 tickets for a venue that only held 1,750 people. It was on the 30th of May, the band's third night, that the guy from the pub had turned up to see the clash, only to find out that the fire department had shut down the hall for safety fears. He told me there was a lot of trouble. People had paid their admission and were turned away. There was twice as many people as space and it was chaos. It was at this point that the band showed unprecedented integrity by condemning the organisers and promising to play until everyone that had bought a ticket to see them saw them. They played 17 nights in June. With such small crowds, the Griggs are said to be very intimate and there are reports that the people went up on stage to join the band and sing along. New York City DJs would play for the audience when they were arriving and there was a different support act every night, including one of my favourites, Lee Scratch Perry. I was blown away that a band that I had really just stumbled across had turned out to have such a moral backbone. I felt I had to find out more. When I got home and I googled The Clash, I discovered that playing an extra 9 gigs for no extra payment was only one of the things that they did for their fans. When they released London's Calling, CBS wanted to charge more money. After all, it was a double LP. But the band stood firm, telling them if they did charge extra, it would be the last thing The Clash ever made. They forced the record company to agree that they would only charge for a single record. And remember Sandinista had 36 songs and 3 discs? Well, they did the same thing again, telling CBS that they could only charge a fiver, the cost of a single LP. The record company went bananas and told them that it was out of the question as it cost far too much for them to make and they would go bust. They came to a deal with The Clash. The band would take no royalties for the first 200,000 sales and it would only be sold at 5 There is also a story of them going to play a gig and when they found out how much the fans had been charged, they told the promoters they would not play unless everyone got a partial refund on their ticket. As they did not do this till the day of the gig, the promoters had no other option but to give the partial refund, as they could not cancel the gig as they would lose a fortune. When interviewed and asked why they did all this stuff for their fans, they would simply reply, We were fans before all this, and we know what it's like and we know how we should treat real people. The band split up in 1986, and hopes of a reunion were dashed, when in 2002, 
Joe Strummer passed away. They were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2003 and asked to play. They were set for a massive paycheck, but two things stopped them. One, they did not have Joe. And two, the band found out that tickets for the night were upwards of $10,000 each. And they said at that price none of the real fans would get to see them. So they did not play. I love The Clash. I do not like all their music, but as a band, I love them. London Calling is one of the best albums ever made, and I admire their moral backbone. I encourage you to watch the interviews with Joe Strummer. Watch how he's cold to start with, and within three minutes his charm and passion are oozing out him, no matter who he's talking to. I have a Clash t-shirt. People are always taking the time to come up and tell me how much they like it. It's not the t-shirt or the guy in the t-shirt that they love. It's the band in the front. I will leave you with my favourite quote. One I live by. Originally said by Joe Strummer. I'm just clever enough to know how stupid I am. This short story was brought to you by me, Ross Manson. If you've got a short story that you would like us to tell, then get in touch. You can find me on Twitter at at Manson44. I love to hear all stories. The stranger the better, really. So get in touch. I also love any feedback. So even if you just want to have a chat, get in touch. Let me know what you think of the show. But all this wouldn't have been made possible without the great people at Bullfood. If you've got an event that needs catering, whether it be a party or a wedding or anything else like that, then get in touch. They do great food, all served from their 1970s Citroen H van. The guys are a great laugh as well and might have some interesting stories to tell. So check them out at facebook.co.uk slash bullfoodtruck.com